Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nathaniel Paul Thurston. I'm one of the co-hosts here on this program. The other one, sitting right across from me, is Mr. Charles Lawrence Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? It's a program now. It is a program, a Liberty-loving program. We're operating a program, Mm -hmm. in case you were wondering. Doesn't that sound more official? If this was your first time listening, welcome to the program. We are here to program you. We're programming you in the in the likes. It's it's benevolent programming. Yeah. It's in it's in we want to leave you alone. Mm-hmm. And we want you to leave other people alone. We want you to leave us alone, man. That's how we're trying to. You know what's interesting? At least we're honest about it. You know, <laughs> like, oh, I'm serious. Yeah. That's what's. Um, I was actually listening to Ben Shapiro yesterday. This is very interesting to me. Um, and this is White Pill Wednesday, so I'm not going to get too negative here. Okay. I just found this interesting. Take from this what you will. I think honesty is a white pill that you can take, that you should take okay. every day. Honesty. Uh, he was talking about how they are being throttled on Facebook and other other things like that. The Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro's uh, network, and he had a call with some organization that ranks truth in media, and they were ranked, you know, like below the New York Times and below all this stuff. And he asked them a question like, "Why is that?" And he was like, "Well, you know, at the bottom of your website it says that you're a conservative news media, like you're not balanced." He's like, "Well, we're honest about it." Yeah. He's like, yeah, but you know, the New York times and all, CNN and all these, but they're balanced news networks. And he's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> so because you can lie and say you're balanced and you don't admit the truth that you are, that you have some bias, then somehow you're, you're more truthful. But, that, and I'm just like, that is so insane. And so the truth is about this show is we are biased towards Liberty. Yeah. That's, towards your personal freedom. Exactly. We care about this so much we're trying to indoctrinate you to believe in the same (laughs) principles that we believe in which is don't hurt people and don't take their stuff and you know what while there are no perfect societies and and you know greed and those types of things can happen at least in capitalism and the free market we create wealth and it's the only society we've ever been able to devise that does that and that's why we believe in what we believe and i think it's important every now and then to talk about what we believe in yeah. And why we believe it. Well, one thing, so on a on a White Pill Wednesday, we have to only talk about good things. This is going to be different That's from a, a great, lot of the stuff. That is a good thing. Mm-hmm. That That is good. It's good to be truthful, I feel like. that. Uh, that is a good thing. Um, so we've got some good stories in the stack today. So this first one, I just thought... That's what I meant, Stone Cold. We're balanced towards liberty. Balanced towards liberty. That is it. The first one came from the Discord group. I can't remember who posted it, but thank you for posting it. This is a really cool story, and it it makes you think that there are answers to some of the problems that are plaguing our society, that people can take action themselves, and they can actually change things. I got a question for you real quick, though. Okay. You know how the scales of justice are balanced with justice and mercy? Sure. Or whatever it is. I don't know what they are. Judgment and mercy. I don't know. Yeah. The scale of liberty, what is it balanced with? Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. Those are the two things. Those are the two they things. They have to be ba- balanced at all times. That is it. Justiceness, Trickle D said. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you got to have. Pure justiceness. Okay, here is the first story that I thought was pretty good. Let me make sure it is up on the screen because we got a video 
for everyone. And it's just cool to see. Here we go. When the SOS went up at a troubled school, who answered the call? A bunch of DADs. Here's CBS's Steve Hartman on the road. Not many good news stories begin in such a bad news way. It happened last month here at Southwood High School in Shreveport, Louisiana. Plagued with violence. Over the course of three days, another fight. 23 students arrested for fighting. Massive police response. But strangely, there hasn't been another incident since. Perhaps in part because of this most unusual crisis intervention team. Nobody here has a degree in school counseling. No majors in criminal justice. No, no. Your qualifications are? Well, Dad, we decided the best people who can take care of our kids are who? For us. So Michael Lafitte started Dads on Duty. We're out doing what we do for our babies. A group of about 40 Southwood dads who now hang out at the school in shifts. Let's go. Today, any negative energy that enters the building has to run a gauntlet of good parenting. What's going on, buddy? You moving fast. I like that horse. I immediately felt a form of safety. We stopped fighting, people started going to class. How could that be? You ever heard of a look? A look? Dads it's have just, the power to do that? Yes. <laughs> not many people know it, but yes. <laughs> let's go, let's go. But it's not just the firm stares and stern warnings. Let's make it to class, my son. It's also the dad jokes. <laughs> they just make funny jokes like, oh, hey, your suit's untied, but it's really not untied. <laughs> they hate it. They're so embarrassed by it. <laughs> and it's that perfect mix of tough love and gentle ribbing that dads do so well that has helped transform this school. The school has really just been... Okay, that's a good story. Oh, that's... Hey. Isn't that awesome? I feel good. Doesn't that make the you The look thing good? is real, by the way. <laughs> if any of you have kids out there, the the uh, the look is real. When I give Parker a look, he knows he's done something wrong. <laughs> and he's only four. So... So I, I think there's a couple of cool things in there. One, um, let's see, Joe Bizzle said community policing. Love it. That's true. That's a That's a good thing. Um, we're seeing how important it is for people to have a dad, first off, the job that dads can do with their Good dad Good role looks. models. Good role models, absolutely, too. And and it's actually changing things that didn't cost a bunch of money. We didn't have to we didn't have to up the DOE's budget by eighty billion dollars or anything like that. It's just parents taking their responsibility as parents and coming in and the kids are behaving better. I just think that's awesome. I think it's amazing. I, I hope that this becomes a nationwide nationwide movement that goes all around the country, and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully it changes some things because there are a lot of schools that have a lot of issues. Like when you sp- pretty much spend all day just trying to wrangle the kids and get them to not fight each other all day, then how much time do you actually have for learning? You know, and it's interesting. Much. This is a take on personal responsibility that we talk about all the time which is, you know, you should be, you know, disregard the Washington Post from yesterday, but you should be responsible for your kids. You should have a say in, in what's going on. And if there's an issue, uh, that's something you should, you should um, take care of. And also it's a, I think it's a, a responsibility taken on by trusted individuals inside a community. And so maybe that's something we should strive for. We should strive. Maybe that's a goal that people can have. It's like, I don't know what to do. How can I change the world? Well, maybe uh, have a goal of being a trusted 
uh, community member. And I think that that's really, really important. Um, and I also wonder, um, you know, what, uh, how they came about this idea. You know, I feel like it's really cool mm -hmm. for them to sit around and think like, okay, we have this problem. Let's think outside the box of solving it. Because the problem with hiring more security or police officers or something like that is they're, they're not trusted right now. Yeah, and, and it's got to be people that the kids respect, too. Like, they, they see more security in there. They're going to feel more like they're in a prison. You know, you put the, you put the actual parents in the school, and they're going to have to deal with the problems when they get home. Mm -hmm. You know, these are, these are people that the kids hopefully respect and that they will listen to and hopefully not going to get just an overall negative. I'm sure it's not all positive, by the way. I'm sure... I'm sure the dads have had to deal with some bad stuff still, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, I, I just think that this is a, uh, I think it's a pretty good story. So Charlie, go ahead with the next one. We do got to go. Well, I do want to think, I do want to mention too, the, the importance of family, you know, regardless of what the BLM organization says, mm -hmm. right? They want to disband the nuclear family. Uh, family is very important. It's important fathers to be present in your kids' lives as well as mothers. And to have that, that dynamic and to be a good role model to your kids. Um, so I'm speaking to all the dads out there. You should, you should be involved. Do your job dads. Mm -hmm. All right, go ahead with the uh, next story here, Charles. All right. So you guys all know, uh, Elon Musk, he's now so rich. He can fund SA for two years, South Africa, South Africa, and still be far richer than any local. All right. This week, the personal fortune of the South African-born car CEO and space entrepreneur Elon Musk hit $288 billion. And it actually went all the way up to $296. Uh, they, they didn't catch that in, in this, but $296 billion was the top. Mm. Of course, it's down since then, but we're not marking how much Tesla's it's gone down. still up over $1,000 yeah, a share. Yeah, yeah, still right? up, but... It's not at that thousand ninety two it was at. I mean, he's still he's still doing okay. He still pays his bills right now. And just a couple days before that, Musk was worth a mere two hundred and thirty billion after a surge in the share price of electric car company Tesla, in which he holds a large stake. But when car rental company Hertz placed a, the single largest order ever for electric vehicles, Tesla's share price went wild, valuing the company at above a trillion dollars. Now I think that That's part impressive. that is so cool because we know that Musk was facing that really big choice with Tesla and SpaceX and everything and not having the money to do both of them really. And he decided to do both of them anyway. And now the thing has gone all the way up to being worth over a trillion dollars. I mean, what a, we, we should be so happy about this success story. We don't have to talk about what all the crazies out there are saying about this. This is a, this is an amazing success story for an African-American to be the richest person in the world. Uh, $296 billion. I mean, we need to make sure we talk about that as much as possible. Yeah. You know, we just need him to identify as a woman now. Yeah. But, um, uh, white pill Wednesday. That's Yeah, that's right. White pill Wednesday. I love yeah. you. Say, I love you afterwards. I, and I love everyone who took offense to that joke, that poorly timed, terrible white pill Wednesday joke. All right. <laughs> At roughly 20%, Musk owns a far bigger chunk of Tesla than Bezos owns of Amazon, which puts Bezos firmly in second place uh, on the list of rich people. At $288.6 billion, it's going to fluctuate, folks. Musk is personally worth more than Toyota. He could also buy the top 20 companies in South Africa without tapping the last of his reserves. Now, he is worth more than 
Toyota, the company. <laughs> That's crazy. Which is the number one car company. That's crazy. By the way. I love it. Yeah. His wealth is so astronomical that it's better expressed in terms of, say, South Africa's national budget. As median term forecasts currently stand, Musk's trillions would be enough to cover South Africa's consolidated state spending for two years. That would include paying all civil servants, funding bailouts for ESCOM and SSAA, building roads and schools, maintaining the military, paying for education and healthcare, and making social grant payments. And then it would all be gone. Well, no. By the end of the two years, Musk would still be richer than South Africa's richest person, Nikki Oppenheimer. Musk has said he is gathering personal wealth in order to fund his ultimate mission, ensuring the safety of the human race by making life multi-planetary through the colonization of Mars. Now, I think that that's I think that that's all good news. Now we have plenty of stuff to say about whether or not it's a great idea for him to run South Africa for two years. But just think about the idea that you you are an immigrant from South Africa and you come here. You're not super wealthy or anything, and you start some companies. Why does everyone say? Why does everybody say he came for money? I don't know. He he didn't. I don't think he did anyway. I could be wrong about that. But how much money did he come from? I mean, it it, it wouldn't be that much anyway. He comes from a country, and now he's he's worth enough that he would be able to run the government of the country that he came from for a full two years. Now, he needs to do a lot better so he can run our government for a full two years. That would be a really cool net worth. But, um, yeah, I don't know what his, I don't know what kind of money he came from. Maybe a, Amanda's got some, got some information on that. Uh, but, you know, what we would say about the idea that he could run that for two years and then that money would be gone. But, but anyway, I had a white pill about this that I, that I posted on Twitter. He was wealthy in, in South African terms, it looks like. Yeah. Uh, Errol Musk was a wealthy South African engineer. Okay. So he spent his early childhood with his brother Kimball and sister Tosca in South Africa. His parents divorced when he was 10. I guess his mom was a supermodel. I still see her on some commercials sometimes. It doesn't change the fact that um, you have to realize when Musk started, when him and his brother started their first company, um, I mean, the dude was working 80 to 100 hours a week and still to this day, he works 80 to hundred hours a week. So it's not like, um, it's not like he was handed a hundred million dollar check and said, Hey, you know, go hire a bunch of people to do these, to do this stuff for you. And he's, he's different as a CEO. You got stories like this with Jeff Bezos too, packing boxes on the floor. Like we, we have stories about that too. Musk, when Tesla was really going through a tough time, he was sleeping at the factory uh, for a while that's when you caught some of the interviews of him where he was like crying and stuff in the interviews like he he was just the, but you don't see a lot of ceos that will decide that they're going to go sleep at the factory and try to take apart one of the cars and put it back together to figure out the best way to put the car together for production like, it's just a lot of really cool things out of this and i uh, i posted the white pill from the unre- unrealized capital gains tax uh that if if we're going to live in the system where people are going to be manipulating them and they're going to be taking the unrealized capital gains, let's think about how we could take advantage of that system. What good things could we get from that happening? One of the good things is that there's going to be a date range for the, for the unrealized gains. Like it's going to mark from this date to this date. And sometimes what you're going to see is some companies and owners are going to have the incentive to push their stock down before that unrealized gain happens 
and it's going to be fake. It's it's not it's not really going to have anything to do with the fundamentals of the company. Nothing like that. They'll find a way to push it down to get the tax bill down just a little bit. And now I know there are some issues with that because then it's starting from a lower amount the next year when it starts building back up. I'm just saying sometimes that's going to happen. That's going to give us a new opportunity as people who are trading. Is uh, well, look, we're coming up on the uh, yearly. The one-year calendar date here for the unrealized gains. What's unrealistically selling off right now so they don't have as many gains? They have a good dip-buy opportunity right now for this thing. Is this just going to pop right back up? This is a fake sell-off happening right now. I'm just excited about the opportunities Mm -hmm. that we're going to have. That was just a good way I wanted to look at it. There's going to be some opportunities because people are going to try to manipulate the numbers to get their tax bill down. And the way they're going to do that is they're going to try and get their stock price down to lower their wealth so they don't owe as much taxes. And I will be here to take advantage of that. That will happen. Uh, the next one is also... Let well, me talk about Mars for a second. Now, I don't know if you see this. This is, I don't know if this is really white pill, but there's a new conspiracy going around. I don't know if it's new, but new to me. Yeah, where the 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 people who went to the moon actually saw extraterrestrial. Yeah, that's been going on for a long time. Yeah, there's movies about it. I just saw it. Yeah. Anyway, maybe that's why we need to go to Mars because maybe there's actually some things going on out there that we don't know, and maybe that's why we haven't been back to the moon. And there's all this conspiracy about, you know, when the astronauts came back from the moon, they weren't very excited. Like, oh my god, I just you know walked on the moon. They were very like you know somber. I think it's stuff. probably just because the moon was freaking boring. Yeah. You know? But Amanda says, why would we go to Mars? It's closer to the sun. Mars used to be like Earth. And if we go closer to the sun, what's going to happen to us? Shouldn't we be going out? Wait, isn't Mars further away? Mars is the next planet down, isn't it? I don't I don't think so. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the next. Mercury, it's the, Venus, um, Mercury me Venus, see. Earth, Mars. Oh, yeah. Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars. I don't know. I don't know how close the freaking thing gets to it. Anyway, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Earth. Are we fourth? I don't really, I yeah, don't really care about whether or not we get to uh, whether or not we get to Mars. I don't, I don't know that that's going to be super important because Mars kind of sucks. Probably with the amount that Mars sucks, we could live on Earth and it would still be better than Mars. You know, like whatever problems it is uh, that we have to get off of Earth, Earth is probably still better than what than what Mars is right now. Uh, even in Earth's terrible, terrible situation. But all the cool things that they're going to create on the way to getting there, like, uh, I don't know, send an internet around the entire planet so they can make money off of Starlink to try to get to Mars, all the new technologies they're going to create to be able to get there. I think there'll be a lot of really good things that are going to come from that. So I support them setting that really uh, really high up goal because they're going to have to create a new thing, a lot of new things, and they're going to have to innovate. They're going to have to become more efficient. And those, those different processes will be used for all sorts of stuff that we don't even know what they are right now. So I'm just, I'm just excited to see people saying that stuff. Um, I'm going to skip down to, uh, I think the problem we really need to solve is why the sun hates everyone so much. It's trying to kill us. Yeah. Right now. Why is it currently? Why does it hate the planets that hug it so closely? And mm-hmm. why does it want to destroy them? Yeah, it's very anti-planet. Yeah, it's trying to bring them all in closer so they can so it can kill them. It's the anti-planet. It's yeah. anti-human. You know. <laughs> all right, the uh, U.S. drug company Merck is going to be sharing its license for the experimental COVID nineteen treatment with nonprofit with a nonprofit organization. So they made this COVID pill. 
that we've been really excited about. We've actually talked about on White White Pill Wednesday, White COVID Pill Wednesday. And I think this is going to be a really big deal. Maybe it would even help with some of these mandates we got going around, hopefully. It has not been approved yet, but they are saying that they're going to share this with the world, which is, I think, is a tactic. I'll talk about the tactic here in a sec. U.S. pharmaceutical giant Merck has agreed to share its license for its experimental COVID-19 drug, Molnupiravir with a nonprofit organization so it can be manufactured widely around the world in a deal that would expand access to the treatment in more than 100 countries. Now, why would I think this is a good thing? We talk about how we don't think that uh, the government should force these companies to share their, uh, their proprietary processes or their ingredients that they're using, that they should be forced to give away all of that uh, intellectual property. Well, that's because they're opting into doing it on their own. So I think that that is a really cool thing. It's not that it's bad that you would share any of this. Uh, It's bad that they would be forced into doing it because that could disincentivize people from creating things later on. This could end up saving a lot of people's lives. The move could make the treatment an easy-to-take pill, showing to reduce the risk of hospitalization and death, I can't get over the live group. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's. T- I could just sit here and read the live group comments you gotta, you the whole gotta, time. Y'all have to join. Yeah, we just had some few, a new pe- a few new people recently, and they said it was the best decision they ever made. Someone just signed up today. Actually, morningliberty.locals.com. Um, it could make it could make it um, easy to take pills, shown to reduce risk of hospitalization and death in some cases available to millions in mostly low and middle income nations if regulators authorize its use. Quote, at long last, the first public health license for a COVID-19 treatment of vaccine has been signed, allowing this medicine to be produced by all capable producers, which will increase supply and drive down prices. That is, uh, that's probably true. Now, Merck announced in October, that a global clinical trial showed the molnupiravir, an antiviral pill, reduced hospitalization deaths by half among higher-risk coronavirus patients diagnosed with mild to moderate illness. The company agreed to share its license with the UN, a UN-backed medicines patent pool, or MPP, which in turn can sub-license it to manufacturers. The deal is designed to expand the drug's availability, widen its manufacturing base, and potentially push down the price. The U.S. government, by the way, is paying $700 per course of molnupiravir treatment, the New York Times reported. But according to Brooke Baker, this could bring it down to as low as $10. $10. With more people out there producing it. And also, I mean, I, I hate that people say, well, this is uh, capitalism for you. This is what you get. They overcharge for all these drugs. Like, the government's the one paying the $700 for the pill. That's not a free market price for the pill, okay? That's a government price for the pill. You're mm-hmm. talking about people who got $20,000 toilet seats, okay? That's, <laughs> it's not a good example at all. All right, here is why I think this is a tactic. Well, Mom, let me tell you. Can you tell them the best part about this whole thing? What is that? I think the best part about this, this uh, white pill uh, is last week, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation announced what it said in an, in an initial investment of up to $120 million to incentivize those drug makers to begin producing the treatment now, even before it has been approved by regulatory bodies. See, we don't even need the government. Yeah. You have which you have evil, greedy capitalist Bill Gates, who started a, a software company that everyone uses. Everyone. I'm using it right now. You uses, used it to make money today. Yes. Everyone uses 
made a fortune from it and has decided now to, that, you know, it'd be good to use part of that fortune to uh, help people from not dying. And well, isn't that something? It's also interesting, of course, the conspiracy theories out there that Bill Gates is trying to kill everyone with the vaccine, you know. And so does this either means that he's not trying to kill everyone with the vaccine or the new conspiracy theory, Molnupiravir, is actually Bill Gates' new way to kill everyone. And um, I've never bought into any of those things at all. The reason I think this is a tactic, Molnupiravir has yet to receive approval from either U.S. or European regulators. So here's what they're doing. They're putting the pressure on the regulators to approve it by allowing other people to manufacture this, by getting everyone really excited about it, by showing how cheap it can be and how easily it can be produced. And then it's going to make the government the really bad person for coming in and deciding that it can't be used, that they're not going to approve it. So I actually think that this whole thing is a tactic to put pressure on regulators to approve it for use. That's what, that's what I actually think is going on. And so anyway, that, if that is the case, then, hey, good on them. Good job. Good idea. Yeah. Great job, everyone. They also, at the end here, they're going to license. They're licensing. Now, they're not just giving it away, by the way. They're licensing it, okay? Because at the end here, it says, as long as COVID-19 is classified as a public health emergency by the World Health Organization, neither Merck nor its partners will receive royalties from drug sales under the agreement. So as long as it's classified mm-hmm. as a health as a uh, public health emergency. Once that classification goes away, then they'll get royalties from on the licensing. Yeah. And they will still be able to put the pressure on, get it approved and get that $700 per course from the, from the government. So that's uh, probably what's going on. Charlie, do you want to next up? You want to tell me what's in this video? You sent it to me today. This next up. Pretty funny. I just thought this was hilarious and it's, um, it's probably everyone's favorite president. (laughs) Of course he is. I just missed, you know, I missed his speeches and everything. And, and I think he's, you know, it sounds as if he's got a great plan. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, that's what it sounds like. Now so this is a couple weeks old, but since he's not getting a lot of media play, I just think that this is funny. Mm-hmm. And so it's white pill Wednesday. It's good news. It's something that can make us laugh, I guess. So let's play something from former president Donald J. Trump on White Pill Wednesday. All right, here we go. My new slogan was going to be Make America Remember This. Remember? It was supposed to be something a little different than Make America Great. It was supposed to be Keep America Great. But America's not great right now, so we're using the same slogan, Make America Great Again. And we may even add to it, but we'll keep it. Make America great again again, because we already did it, right? We're going to make America great again again. MAGA. No, I I had a whole big deal, and it was all good, and, you know, uh, it was just going to be keep America great, because we made it great. Our military was rebuilt. Our economy was great. Our job numbers were the best. We had the best country we've ever had, and in nine months, a little more, They've destroyed our country. So I can't say, keep America great. So I'm back to make America great again. Dash, slash, comma, again. Make America great. No, it's play. Does he keep going? Play. Great again, again. I don't know. There you go. What do you like better? Make America great again, again. 
<laughs> I mean, I like Magoo's comment. Maga plus. Maga plus. Does M plus. This, does this change it to Maga? Is that is that how you have to say it? <laughs> it's, Maga plus. I think that's pretty good. It's so good. Make America great again. I was again. laughing so again. hard. Again, it's good stuff. Make America great again. Slash, dash, comma, <laughs> again. <laughs> you at least, you know, maybe none of us think that it's a good thing that Trump is uh, going to be running again, again. But well, it's um, great for entertainment. But it is fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It is fun to watch. And while we're while the boat's sinking, you might as well have something fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, on your phone, something a comedy to watch, and mm-hmm. that's what this is. You, you know? know, I've always said if I was if I was on a plane that was going to go down, somebody get me a drink. <laughs> You know? Yeah. Get me a drink as it's going down. Let's enjoy the last couple minutes because the likelihood of us surviving is not very high. So, you know what? You might as well get a drink and watch the show. I'm pretty sure this dude's going to run in 2024. Um, I'm not sure who the Democrats are going to put up. I, I I don't know if they can put up Biden again. I really again? don't. Again, again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And of course, I mean, he, he will be the incumbent, but at you know, 140 years old, that guy is going to be, it might be too much. I think he'll get destroyed, um, by, by Trump. I don't think, I I don't think think it'll be Biden again, again. I think it'll, it'll be, I don't think it'll be Kamala either. Cause I think it's too obvious. Now they might try to slingshot her into Lee by making her president before Biden goes out of office. Technically, you know, that way she's an incumbent kind of, and that has a little bit more attention on her. We'll see. But I think if that is the case, then it's not going to work out for them. And I really don't want Trump to be the president again. I'm not saying he did a terrible job. We have said plenty of times on this podcast that he did some pretty good things. He did. And did some awful, terrible things. And he did some bad things too. Was he the most libertarian president that we have seen in our lifetimes? He didn't start any new wars. He did cancel some regulations. I'm sure there were new ones. Was he the most libertarian that we've seen in our lifetimes since being born in 1987? Is that the case? I'm not saying he's a libertarian. I'm saying he did still bomb a bunch of people. I'm not saying he's libertarian. I'm saying is he the most libertarian, like the closest one to being he libertarian did, that we He also had. signed like $8 trillion worth of spending. Yeah. There are t- plenty of bad things. Yeah. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not listening to what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, next closer. Again. You know, technically I was, I was alive for a year of Reagan, I guess, or some time of Reagan being the president. Um, I love Reagan's rhetoric. I love the speeches that he gave. I love his rhetoric about freedom and liberty. The stuff he actually did, not a whole lot of it. Now, I've, of course, been fed all of the bad things that he did, and I couldn't tell you every single individual policy. I can name several of the bad ones. I don't, I don't know what all of the, the really good things were. Um, but anyway, I, I, I just, I don't think that, I don't think it would be good for us for him to be the president again, because it would swing harder left. We might get AOC the next time around. Mm. And I love that because this is white pill Wednesday and we would still find a way to win. Even if AOC was the president, the important part about this, Nate, and why it's, it 
fits in with White Pill Wednesday is because the entertainment will be off the charts. Yeah. Yeah. That's everyone can love that. And because it was funny. Did that not bring a smile to your it face? Did. It did. I I'm smiling again again. <laughs> Real quick, I wanted to play well uh we got one last video here I'm going to play. Uh there were some protests going on in New York. Finally, we've been talking a lot about how there's been a lack of protest about vaccine mandates. And there was finally a pretty sizable protest in New York. And I don't like what they're protesting. I don't like the fact that they have to do it or anything. But it is good. We've seen all these protests around the world when it comes to the vaccine mandates. And America, the liberty-loving, freedom-loving America, we haven't seen hardly any protests out here. And so I, I think it's cool to finally see some people coming out and speaking out about this. So let's play this real quick. I think Amanda posted this in the group, potentially. That's possibly what happened. Let's play this real short clip. So this is what it looks like. A lot of people on the bridge. That's a lot of people. Not nearly enough Let's Go Brandon chance happening right there, but you guys get the like idea. I picked out a few of them. Now, were they blocking traffic on this bridge? I would have to be against that. Um, I don't know if they are or not. I'm not sure what bridge this is. Um, are they protesting employer mandates and not uh, government-imposed mandates? I'm not really sure. I guess the New York, New York has imposed uh, pretty harsh mandates from the government. So, okay, pedestrian portion of the uh, of the bridge okay so i didn't know that's what i was saying I, I don't really i didn't really know what they were doing there so all right yeah they can't have the that it's all it's in new york and i know new york has the, the mandates for like everyone so yeah i overall would agree with this protest and it's a good sign to see people actually protesting in in new york of all places that many liberty loving folks out there protesting the last thing i was going to um to post out here to to post out here this is a post from dave smith just to leave everyone with now um we had said that didn't think that it would be a great thing for dave smith to be the libertarian nominee uh, for the libertarian party i actually charlie i hadn't told you uh that i i've kind of i'm kind of changing my thinking on that I've been listening a lot lately, not to Dave Smith, but I've been listening to a lot of other stuff and I'm kind of changing my thinking on it <clears throat> uh, because no matter what, they're going to try to destroy whoever it is, if they were a pretty big deal. But um, Smith does have the Joe Rogan connection and a lot of listeners there. And if I weigh that properly, if I, if I weigh that properly with all the people who listen to his podcast, it could, could be, a big net benefit for libertarianism in general. So I will say that. So here's what Dave said yesterday. The COVID regime is the biggest threat to the nation in my lifetime. Believe me, I get it. Still, I can't stand seeing people catastrophize it and accept that all hope is lost. My grandfather lived through the Holocaust and World War II and never gave up. Carry your cross, we will win. So what he is saying with that, he's not saying that we're in the Holocaust or we're in World War II right now. He's saying something that I've thought a lot, which is that we are not in 
the worst times around the world right now. Things are a lot better. People have gone through some very terrible stuff. And had they given up at that time, then we might not be where we are right now. We might be in a really, really bad situation. And so if people have gone through those really terrible things before and they didn't give up and people fought and they won, then we can't look at what we're going through right now and decide that all hope is lost and we have to give up and there's nothing, nothing good's ever going to happen again. So I like the idea that he's out there saying that all hope is not lost. Carry your cross. We will win. I like it. I like it, Dave. I like it. Good stuff. That's, that is good stuff. Yeah. I'm glad you're changing your mind too. I, I think, I think, you know, we have to get the message out to more people. And the only good thing that can come from the Libertarian Party running a national candidate for president would be press, mm-hmm. it would be the Ron Paul type of message out to people that normally would not hear it. So we need, if we're going to run someone for, for president, you're saying we, do you mean, uh, you're in the Libertarian Party? If the if libertarians <laughs> if libertarians are going to run someone for president that is not going to win the presidency by the way, libertarians won't win this election or the next one or maybe even 10 elections from now. It's going to take a long time. Uh, if the party ever does get in a position to win. So if they're going to win some uh, when if they're going to run someone, which they will because they're that's their party and that's what parties do. Um, then it should be someone, in my opinion, like Dave Smith, um, especially if it's between him and Joe Rogan, not Joe Rogan, him and Justin Amash and all the other ones. Spike Cohen, even Spike Cohen. Now, I think I love Spike and I think he articulates the message very well. He doesn't have Dave Smith connections or popularity. Yeah. And that's, that's a problem. And, you know, it, he was, uh, I was, I was actually listening to him the other day. He was talking about, you know, libertarian populists and, you know, he, he made the case for in this populist era that we're in, what's so wrong with the libertarian populists right now, you know, like have someone that people can get behind that can articulate the ideas and, and spread the message like Ron Paul did. Now I, you know, I think it'd be better if someone like Dave Smith ran in the Republican party. Yeah, you know, you it would, have would more still a, be better if he yeah, did that. Yeah, exactly. It still yeah. would be better. Um, and, it, and it would be better if someone like Justin Amash ran for president in the Republican Party. Because um, then you would still get the attention. You would be on the debate stage yeah. uh, for the Republican nominee and those types of things. Like you would, you would travel the same path that Ron Paul did. But uh, I don't, I mean, to have access to Joe Rogan and other media attention and, you know, to be a comic that that you can that you can uh, have a have a way out of all the things that they're going to try to put you know put on you. Like, well, I'm a comedian. Yeah, you know, who, who gives a shit? I w- I will say so. I'm not totally sold on the idea. The only thing, if it were not for Dave Smith's connection with Joe Rogan, uh, then I would not want him to be the nominee. I'm I'm considering whether or not that one connection right there and the ability to get on that show would end up being a net positive for the party in general or for libertarianism libertarianism in general cuz if they can't get any media attention then there's really no point 
in them doing anything. Like the, the most liberal, a lot of libertarians are there because of Ron Paul, who was in the debates and got the media attention. And that's because he was a Republican. And so I would argue that Dave Smith is a better debater than Ron Paul. Yeah. I, I've uh, listened to him in several debates now. He's so good. He is good. He's so good. Um, I, I thought, I thought he destroyed Jason Stapleton. I thought he um, destroyed Nick Sarwark, which probably isn't hard to do. Yeah. The debates I've seen uh, Dave Smith in, I, I think he crushes it. He, he's able to articulate the message, but he's also able. The thing about Dave Smith that Ron Paul was good at is he's charismatic and he's able to draw up that emotion in you to get you excited. Yeah. That's like. Amash doesn't have that. Well, to me, Spike Cohen has that though. Spike Cohen does, but have he that. doesn't have the he doesn't, media. He doesn't. He doesn't have the media yet. I think he will. I like Spike more as an actual, as the candidate, as the person. If the same amount of people were going to hear him speaking, I would like Spike to be that person, not not Dave. But the simple truth is that the same amount of people will not hear them speaking. I think the comedy thing is. Um, I don't think that that's great. I know the example would be that well Trump did well and he said he was going to grab women by the stuff and that he could kill someone and uh, on Fifth Avenue and all of his people would still support him and, and all that. He said some crazy things, obviously, but he also had like a number one TV show and he's been a part of our way of life for our entire lives. Like we just know that as a brand. And so I don't think the same thing applies. I think... If people wanted to take a few of Dave's jokes and decide to paint him as someone who was homophobic, transphobic, or racist, or whatever, they can easily do that with the stuff he's done. Now, they'll do that with anyone, but it, I think he'll make it easier. I think we found Amanda and I's debate. Oh, you did? Populism. Yeah. I don't really, I don't really care what, what we call it. Well, so, I, I'm just saying I think this is the debate that Amanda and I are going to have to have. This is the one. I don't even want to listen to this debate. Why? I'm uninterested right now with you talking about it being the debate with her. You're, <laughs> you're un, Which means everyone else is probably interested. Yeah. Populism <laughs> so, is not popular to me. Yeah. And neither is neither are all the other isms yeah. <laughs> that are out the, there. The, I, I'll, well, no, I won't. So I'm going to save it for the debate. I'll save all my... My points for the debate. All right. Don't, yeah, it, don't, don't show her your cards. I'll agree with you. Populism is not libertarian. It, and it's not, she says it's not libertarian to me. You're saying to introduce it's, some strategery. It's not my truth. It's, I don't, <laughs> I don't feel like populism is He agrees it's not libertarian to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the proposition is should libertarians participate in populism? Well, that would be libertarians should use a populist message to spread the ideas of libertarianism and grow the party. That's uh that's what it is. And Charlie will be arguing in affirmative. the affirmative and Amanda will take the negative on that side and we'll have to do that sometime. Uh, there we go. Yeah. There's the, there's the thing. Libertarian. Oh, libertarian should. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that sounds like what I said. I don't know. Anyway, if you guys enjoyed today's show, make sure you tell a friend, tell an aunt, tell an uncle, tell the children even. Tell them that they should listen to this show every single day of the week when we want to, whether Charlie wants to or not. 
We're going to do it. Tell them this is the show the forefathers listened to. It is. This <laughs> This was Thomas Jefferson's favorite show. This got him amped up to do all the stuff that he did. This should be should be our tagline. Yeah. Thomas Jefferson's favorite morning show. There we go. <laughs> some quotes from Lysander Spooner, Benjamin Franklin, some different people like that about Good Morning Liberty. Because everyone would know that it was fake, so that would be pretty funny. Or we just put that we're the number one fastest growing libertarian show. By the way, another white pill thing for you guys. Last month, we had our best numbers yet. This month, better than last month. We are currently at our highest number of listeners and our highest numbers of plays in a month. And I know you guys thought we were going downhill, but not everyone agrees with you. All right, obviously. We are attracting more people, and that is good. That's because you guys are sharing the show and getting it out there to the masses. Thank you for doing that. And I've been showing up. And Charlie's been here. (laughs) We are on a consecutive streak of Charlie being here. And that's what's happening. I'm out next Wednesday. So next White Pill Wednesday, I'm out. You get your priorities in line, man. (laughs) Get your priorities in line. uh, Well, the wife comes first. (laughs) All right. So I'll be out next Wednesday. I'm letting you guys know a week ahead. Of, this is a week in advance time to let everyone know, especially the live group. So, um, Nate, we're going to get that debate scheduled. And then I got to debate Joe Bizzle because I said I would. So we need to find something for Bizzle and I to debate about. So if you guys enjoy all this, if you want to debate me, then you have to be part of the live group. These fictional good morning- debates that never happen. Good. It's gonna. We had to have something to debate, okay. and now we do. And so we're gonna have to have something else to debate with me and Bizzle. I said I would do it, um, and so I'm. I'm going to honor that. I didn't say I would do it tomorrow. I'm just gonna honor that. It's got someday. Be, it's got to be scheduled, okay? Um, it's an IOU. And if you want that chance, that opportunity, or if you just want to hang out with us, go to GoodMorningLiberty.locals.com. Check out. Tesla's stock price at mastermytrades.com. <laughs> that's the only place you can find it. That's, that's Can't even you, look it up right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, and join that group as well. <laughs> all right, guys, if you do all those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty. Liberty.